Today's message has been brought to you by Faith Family Church in Billings, Montana. For more information, visit faithfamilybillings.com. So uh, let's just go before the Lord in prayers. I have you, uh, I'll just have you go to some scriptures here first to set things up, and we're going to get right into the Word of God this morning. Amen. And uh, thank you, Lord. So why don't you go in your Bibles to Jeremiah chapter 29. I'll wait till you get there and we'll pray. Amen. Somebody has uh, put a nice little gift there. I didn't look at it, but whoever did, thank you very much. That's very thoughtful. Uh, by our seat. Amen. Has my wife's name on it too. So she'll be very thoughtful too. Very thankful too. Amen. Well, uh, our time this weekend, I trust that you feel like I do, that it was really a wonderful time. And good things have been happening. Amen. And uh, we've heard so many really nice testimonies already from people being healed and touched. And so that's wonderful. Amen. What, what a wonderful thing. And for those, if there's any that you, today is your first service, um, I just trust we don't scare you at all. Amen. Keep, <laughs> keep coming back. Uh, even if you are a little scared from me, because uh, you have a pastor here. Amen. That loves you and that, that will be really nice to you. Amen. Well, you know, I'm learning some things in my relationship with God, just like I trust you are in yours. And the more I learn, the more some of the statements that I guess I've made over the years, you know, you can, you can see something from the Lord today and get something out of it, and actually the Lord will help you to see something else tomorrow and get something more out of it. Thank God for scriptures that, you know, we've looked at for years, and all of a sudden they just kind of come alive and they make sense. So, you know, we're ever growing and developing, and I, I appreciate that with the Lord, but I am too, and um, I see within myself, last night we were talking about some things, and you know, I'm constantly um, keeping my heart open to God so that I can grow, which means I'm keeping my heart open to the idea that maybe I'm wrong about some things, or maybe uh, I need improvement or to be tweaked a little bit here, a little bit there. Um, you know, even a little baby that's working one of those little those little shape, uh, round little things that has all the different shapes, I mean, sometimes they're just a little bit off, and then it just goes right in. And that's the same way with us. And so for me, I'm constantly looking at my life through the lens of how absolute am I? Very interesting word, because if you hang around people, you'll actually hear uh, folks use that word. They use that word, especially when somebody says something that they agree in, they'll say, well, absolutely. Sometimes they even get a little more demonstrative, absolutely. <laughs> in other words, 100%, I agree with that. But if you were to follow them around within a 24-hour period of time, it's very possible that the same people that were dogmatic about being absolute don't really live absolute. Amen. There's some things, you know, from our past and from generations that went before us that we've lost in our present day and present time. A lot of it is as a result of the multitude of options now that man continues to keep creating. The more options he creates, the less absolute or committed you get about any one of them. 
you know, the old-timer, uh, A.W. Tozier, actually, he's really pretty profound. Some of the things he said over the years, and of course, he was back in 18, I don't know, 50 or 60 or 70 that he lived. Um, you know, he talks about some things that you could actually use today as though he were living in our day. And our day is nothing like his. So. But he made the comment, he said, real faith is where you put yourself on purpose in a position where you can't go back. That's amazing if you think about it, because most people say, well, why would I do that? Well, you would do that so that God could actually work through your life and do something for you you couldn't. Oh, boy, I don't know about that. And the reason why you might not know about that is because you like to be in control. I don't want to lose control. It's kind of like, you know, you're hanging on and grabbing a hold of a, a little sapling that's holding you up at least while you're over the cliff long enough you trust for someone to come and rescue you. And they come to rescue you and they offer you a hand, but you don't want to let go with one of yours in order to grab theirs. So how can you really get rescued unless you let go? And how can you let go unless you actually have enough confidence in the one you're actually giving your hand to that they can and will set you free? Amen. So absoluteness is a really important thing. And that's where I continue as a buffer. Keep coming up against that. And I think, Jim, you're not absolute enough. You know, you, you say one thing and then you do another thing. You say one thing to somebody and then you, you call them back and say, can we change that? Well, why weren't you a little more precise about the way that you thought about it the first time? See, all those kind of things for me challenges me in my relationship with God to be more accurate, the more accurate I am, because he's always a thousand percent accurate. He doesn't have to change anything. In fact, there's even a scripture, Malachi 3.6, that tells us, the Lord changes not. Amen? He doesn't have to change because he says it the right way the first time. So the more accurate you become, and that's where I'm at, the more accurate I become, the easier it is for my prayers to have meaning and then they get answered. Amen? So praise the Lord, just encouraging you today, and uh, we're going to pray right now, and I thank God, as we do, that God's wonderful presence, and it will continue to become more manifest in here, will begin to move on people's bodies even as we speak in your minds. Father, I thank you for everyone sitting in this service, and from this very moment, Lord, I ask you to move by your Spirit upon those that have ailments in their bodies. I ask you to move upon those who have difficulty uh, focusing in their mind. I ask you to move upon those, <coughs> excuse me, that have found themselves seemingly addicted or bound by something of this world that they really want to get free from, and they don't seem to have the willpower to do so. Move upon them. Lord, I'm asking you to bring change to every one of us, myself included, in this service. We want to be more like you in the way that we see life. We thank you right now for the wonderful work of Jesus Christ, that he did make us just like you on the inside. Now we, Lord God, want to begin to experience all that you've done for us so that we can be the greatest of examples of the love of God to a lost and dying world. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's look over here at Jeremiah 29 and verse 11. <coughs> We're going to share some things this morning. I believe that will have some real significance in all the things that we've shared so far. And will be an encouragement. Now, there's going to be a little bit of a stretching going on. 
in this service of the way that you think. Is that okay with everybody? I want your permission, first of all, so that no one does one of these at me, you know, and stares at me in a real negative way while I'm stretching you. And the reason I want to stretch you is, well, among other things, why would I feel like we have accomplished anything if, if you end up leaving the service in the same mindset that you came? Amen. The things of God should tweak us and encourage us to actually think different or walk different and experience something that we haven't been experiencing. Amen. Even those that, you know, are at a place where their relationship with God is so wonderful and moving forward in such a great degree of, of speed and uh, accuracy, uh, why wouldn't you want more of God too? Amen. We just don't ever want to stop. We don't ever want to limit him. We don't ever want to have a ceiling to our faith. We want our hearts to be so wide open and full of God that anything can happen at any moment, and we actually believe it will. So this is a little bit kind of like, you know, sci-fi, what I'm going to do today. Kind of like dee 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 Now, those of you, you have to be a little bit older to know what those sounds actually mean. Hey, man, they, they go back quite a few years, you know, if you've ever been to Disney, the Tower of Terror, you know, and so, um, yeah, we want to stretch you. I want you to be able to see like God. If you could see what he sees, what would you do? Hmm, okay, so... Verse 11 says, for I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Amen. If for any reason you don't have a confident expectation and you don't necessarily see your future as bright, you must not be seeing things like God. Because if you could see it like God, oh my goodness, it's a beautiful day. Hallelujah. And you might be staring at a bill that says you're going under and they're coming to take your house. You may be staring at some type of a document from a doctor that says you just, we've just found out you've got cancer. And so on and so forth, all the difficulties of life, you know, that come to us on a regular basis, because we are living in a pretty hostile world. Amen. Jesus has won the victory, but people don't know it. Amen. That's our job. Our job is to live in the victory. So when we tell people of the victory, we have something to back up what we're telling them. Amen. I mean, it's not just good enough for you to tell somebody there's victory in Christ. You need to actually be an example of the victory because then you can testify. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise the Lord. I trust I'm getting that across to everybody this weekend. And not that your pastor hasn't already gotten that across to you through all of his teaching and mentoring of you as he's endeavoring to cause you to come up to look just like Jesus. But, you know, it's one thing to read about somebody's testimony in the Bible. It's another thing to have your own testimony. I mean, if you were in a drought in a city, you know, 40 miles from here was getting rained like crazy and their crops were going and yours are dying, you know, you'd be thankful for them. But at the same time, you're thankful for them. You're saying, Lord, if you can do it over there, you need to do it over here. So there has to be something in you that has that fortitude to just press through the darkness of wherever you're not and say, I am who he says I am, I can do what he says I can do, and I will experience what he says is mine. Yes. Amen. Hallelujah. And you're willing to step 
beyond yourself. What does that mean? Everybody always comes to a place where your mind will say, that's as far as we can go. Huh? That's right. That's why you need to have a real creative mind. You say, well, you know, I just kind of think in, you know, what needs to be done during the day. I was laughing because, you know, one, one, I, one day I, I just said to my wife, because, man, I'm seeing all kinds of stuff. And I said, honey, come on over here. She said, well, what am I coming over here for? I said, well, just come on over here. I said, we need to just sit together for a little bit. She said, what, what are we sitting together for? And, and I said, well, I said, uh, I want to dream. Come on, I want you to come over here and dream with me. Let's just dream for a little bit. She goes, oh, my goodness, I got far too much to do to, come, to, to dream. <laughs> Amen. So you see, where was her mind? Her mind is task-oriented. So she had things that day she had to get done. Well, my mind is futuristic. I'm thinking of saving the world. Amen. Sometimes I've saved it three or four times within a minute. <laughs> And I, I'm so excited about the victory that I had in my mind. I want to tell somebody, come over here and enjoy this. Well, she couldn't enjoy something that wasn't tangible at that moment. Right? But to me, it was tangible because that's how I'm geared. Right? Amen. I mean, you know, when you're blonde and you, are, you think, you know, futuristic, it's dangerous. <laughs> Amen. I could forget my whole life. You know what I mean? It's like, where's your family? Did I bring my family? Oh, my God, my family. <laughs> You know, you know what I mean? You know, it's like that. And if it wasn't for her being structured, the, the, you know, I might have lost myself. Amen. Romans chapter 8, verse 30, you're going to see some verses go together and some similar thought begin to come. Man, there's some more people that are even coming right now. Man, this is a good day. Hallelujah. I just pray the fire God lays you out and you wake up next week. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We'll just put modesty claws over you and let you just sleep until you wake up. Amen. I believe there's a day coming where the fire will fall. People get so hungry for Jesus, the fire will fall. Like in the old days. Now, in the old days, they, they preached a lot of condemnation. But, you know, in Jonathan Edwards' meeting, they'd, they'd tell people that would get up in the trees to be able to get a better look at what's going on. You come down out of those trees. And they say, well, well I got a good spot up here, you know. I got a seat, you know, and I've, I'm, I'm looking right at He said, but the fire's going to fall. When it does, you're going to fall out of that tree. And it did. The fire of God would fall on those people. And people would be laid out under the Spirit. Sometimes they'd lay there two or three days. They'd just put a sheet over them. Think about that. See, there's, this, this country, this world has experienced some things that the modern church today has forgotten about or, or possibly didn't even know. Hey, man, I mean, talk about going beyond where we've been. Uh, in many cases, we're not yet back to where we've actually been. Hallelujah. I want all that before Jesus comes. Some say, man, he can come today. Well, I don't want him to come just yet. I mean, I do, but I don't. I mean, I wouldn't argue if I was over there on the other side. Lord, send me back. No, I don't think I'd say that. But there's a part of me that says, no, we got a job to accomplish, and, and I actually want to finish it. I want to finish my course. I want to cross the finish line. Amen. How about you? Say, well, you know, I, I go to a regular job. I'm not, I'm not a preacher. You don't have to be a preacher. What about experiencing God, getting answers to your prayers, and being such a light with victory reports that people start asking you for help? Hallelujah. You don't have to be a preacher. You just have to know God. Amen. Romans chapter 8, verse 30 it says, Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. Predestined. You mean like he had forethought about us before he actually called us? Wow. Amen. Now I'm starting to get you thinking where we're going. 
And he said right here, whom he called, these also he justified. Justified means what? It means to declare righteous. It means you're perfect in your spirit. Do you know when God came to make you or to save you, when you opened up your heart to receive Christ, he made your spirit, man, 100% perfect and holy. Now, there's teaching out there that puts condemnation on people saying things like, boy, we need to get the church holy today. Boy, we need to get the church holy today. If the church could just get holy. What do you mean? The church can't be called the church unless it is holy. Think about this. What kind of spirit came to live in you? Was it a dirty spirit? Cast for the friendly ghost? The dirty ghost? Or was it the Holy Ghost? How can the Holy Ghost get inside of a vessel that's not holy? Amen? That's the whole reason why God said when he came to meet, you know, the children of Israel and say hi, he wasn't mad at them. He was just saying hi. I'd like you to meet who I am. Moses knows who I am. I'd like you to get a little idea. And he found a place where he could sit. It was called a mountain. And when he sat on the mountain, the Bible says the mountain began to shake and melt like wax at the presence of the Lord. Because he was mad? No, he's just actually having a good day. But he made sure he told everybody, don't touch the mountain. And of course, you know, people just don't get, you know, they got to be curious. Why shouldn't I touch the mountain? I wonder what's at the mountain. I wonder what the, what's wrong with the mountain. I, maybe I should just go up there and touch it. And, and they die. And not just one died. Like, you know, if I saw one die, then I wouldn't touch the mountain. <laughs> but like 20,000 died. You know what I mean? Like they were brain dead. I'm going to stand in line and I'm going to die too. <laughs> But the beauty of redemption is man now has become so holy he can literally wrap his arms around his daddy God and God can send his Holy Spirit to live inside of you and you don't actually freak out, you don't explode, you actually become filled with his presence. It's, it's, it's an amazing thing thinking about it. He justified us, and these he also glorified. It just gets too good. Yeah, just stay with justified, and, and that's amazing. But, but go to glorified? Oh, Lord, you're kidding me. You've overqualified me for the job. Not only did he make us pure and make us perfect and make us holy, then he put his glory all over us. It's that oily stuff that gets off on you. You know wax on, wax off? You know what I'm talking about? That's what the anointing means. It means to rub on, smear into. Amen. Amen. You, you got to understand what you are. Years ago, you know, when we played basketball and stuff, we'd play shirts and skins. Anybody know what I mean by that? I mean, one, 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 one group of folks would have to be skins. The other one would be shirts. Okay? And, you know, I, I remember one time I was shirt. I was glad to keep my shirt on. And then there were skins. And, you know, I, my, my body type's interesting. You know, I don't have a lot of fat on my body, never really have. And so, you know, I sweat minimally compared to other people. But I remember going up for a layup one time. There's a really big guy. He's about six foot five. And I went up like this, and, and he came into my body. And when I, and when I came back down, it was like... <laughs> <sighs> and it's like, I've been slimed. Oh, my... Gosh, what's on your body? In your mouth, in your eyes? It's like from then on out, I was shooting from the three-point line. Amen. I think you kind of get the picture. 
But that's who we are. We're slimy people like that. So that when you come up and you just rub up against, all of a sudden somebody's got, ooh, look at that greasy spot right there. Yeah, and that'll heal you. That'll set you free. I'm in San Diego one time, and I'm preaching at this Hispanic church, and I'm telling you what, it changed my life because I watched them worship, and I just said, oh, God, please, I want to be able to worship like them because they were moving in ways that my body hadn't yet figured out that it could move. You know what I mean? And they were moving, and they are just moving like this, and they are worshiping God, and the music would stop, and they'd still be just moving before the next song. You know, because we do this. We go, oh, praise the Lord, hallelujah. And then the, the song transitions, we all do this. And I told you when I was Baptist, you could only go this high because they'd, they'd ask you if you had a question. And these people are just worshiping, and I'm just sitting. I, I decided I'm staying in the back of the auditorium, and I'm watching this. I'm not going to go up to a front seat. And I didn't. I just stayed back there and I'm watching. I said, man, this is beautiful. Thank you, Lord. And I'm just enjoying the Lord like this. And all of a sudden, this family comes in a little bit late. There are about four kids, smaller. And I just smiled at all the kids. The mother came by and I just looked at her and acknowledged her and smiled. And then the father came by and he just shook, put his hand out like this. So I just went ahead and shook his hand. He moved on about eight paces, eight steps. He's about right over there, and all of a sudden, he turns around, put his hands on his hip, and looks at me like this, looking me up and down. Well, I'd just been to the restroom, you know. So I'm like... <laughs> I'm just doing a little safety check there, just making sure, you know, there's no tail or anything, like, like flying a kite, you know what I mean? And, and everything's zipped, you know what I'm saying? Because I, I have no... no Understanding, why would you look at me like that? Unless there was something wrong. So everything checked out. So I just kind of didn't pay attention to him. Went on just worshiping the Lord. Out of the corner of my eye, saw that he went towards his family. And there was about four more sections over here on each side. So it was a little bit wider of a church. He was about two sections over. He finally got to his row. His family went in. He turned around like this, and he sat there and stared at me like that. Now, my, my next thought was, why don't you mind your own business, just get in there with your family. <laughs> I didn't do anything to you, you didn't do anything to me, just leave me alone, let me worship. Finally, he went in, and I'm thinking, good, good for you. I'm just worshiping the Lord a little more, and all of a sudden, I see and hear chairs moving back because he just went like this to all the chairs and the chairs just went forward chairs went back like this his family's like what's going on and here he comes right for me next thought that went through my mind i could hear my dad say if you're going to get in a fight hit him first So I'm serious. I'm, all I can think of was is you get too close and I'm jacking you right, right in the jaw. What happens after that? I don't know, but praise the Lord. You know, we're going to go and give you the five-fold ministry, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, and what else did I miss? Amen. Apostle, all in one little package. Amen. <laughs> Mind your own business, pal. So here he comes, and he walks right up to me, and I just stood there like this. I had my hands behind my back. I had my fist. Really did, actually. Had my fist. And I was seeing that this wouldn't look good in the papers. <laughs> A brawl broke out with the, with the traveling minister. 
So I just stood there. He walks right up to me, and he comes and he says, what did you do to me? And as soon as he said that, all of a sudden I knew. I said, why'd you ask? Because I shook your hand, that's all. Then tears welled up, started dripping off his face. He said, something's on me. It came out of you. What is it? And I said, that's just Jesus. Amen. Now, I didn't tell him. I, I greased you. I slimed you. <laughs> Amen. He might not have understood that, you know. What? But that's what it was. You get filled with Jesus. You even get around people. Jesus touch them. Wigglesworth would get on a trolley and people would fall on their face and say, my God, you convict me of sin. And Wigglesworth like, I didn't do anything. But he's walking in the glory. He's walking in the presence. And it would get off on people. Mm, praise the Lord. What's getting off on you right now? Amen. Hallelujah. I, I, you know, there's some of you right now that are sitting in the wrong place. What do you mean? Because you're by somebody that's greasy. And something's happening. And it's getting off on you. Amen. I'm telling you, when you hear things like this, if you'll just believe it, I don't believe any of that stuff, well, that's okay. That's totally okay. But you could even take one of those cameras, you know, infrared type of cameras, and you can see the difference of someone that's got heat that's coming out of their body versus someone that doesn't. Amen. I mean, I learned something about my wife right away. You know, I said all those things everybody says before you get married or when you get married, you know, for better or for worse, you know, richer or poor, all that kind of stuff, you know. And then I, I found it out, even on the honeymoon. I'm just by myself, kind of got myself off to sleep, which was really fun, you know, to have her right next to me. Amen. And we did things right, you know, before we got, before we got married. And all of a sudden, an iceberg was, was placed on the inside of my thigh on that real tender skin right there. And I went, how? What is that? And she said, well, that's my feet. I said, oh, my Lord. I said, are you breathing? She said, why? I said, no one's feet can be that cold and still be alive. And she said, yes, can I put them there? I said, did you wear those little footies to keep them? She said, I had them on. Can I put them there? You're so warm. And I, I realized I married a thief. And now, you know, after almost 30 years, she says to me, stay on your side of the bed. I'm too hot. <laughs> it's like, oh, my God. You know, I'm just glad I, you know, I don't, I'm not a woman. You know what I mean? I mean, you guys really have a lot of things that you have to... We, we men really ought to be thankful and take you out more and buy you ice cream. Amen. That's as far as I'll go with that. <laughs> Isaiah chapter 46. Bail me out, Lord. Bail me out. This scripture, verse 10, is going to pull some of these thoughts. What kind of thoughts? Well, God's actually interested in your future. What other kind of thoughts? He predestined? What? Because see, some people get really weird with predestination and say, there are those that God predestined to be saved and there are those God predestined to be damned. Um, that doesn't sound like a good God, bad devil. It sounds like good and bad God. No, God predestined. 
everyone to be saved and predestined a Savior that you would have the opportunity to actually believe in. But his predestination only goes so far until your choice has to kick in to do what? To accept what he's predestined for your life. He has a plan for your life. Does that mean you fulfill it automatically? Absolutely not. Not any more than you've been saved, and we possibly still are trying to experience something that you actually received in your salvation. But it shows me that God's actually kind of a step ahead of us. I like that. I like being connected with somebody that actually is out there when I'm here because I know when I'm walking toward him in my future, there must be something about my future that's good in the way that he sees it because he wouldn't plan bad. No, no, no. That's the world that says things like that. Well, God did this. No, God didn't do that. Man did. So I look here at Isaiah 46, and this kind of helps me. It says, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times things that are not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand and I shall do all my pleasure. Declaring the what? Do you mean God sees the end of all things even before the beginning takes place? That's the foreknowledge of God. And it says, and from ancient times, things that are not yet done. You mean things that have not yet happened, he's already viewed them, inspected them, and to a degree you could almost say tweaked them? Now, think about this in light of your own children who you love and you have favor for. You know, don't we as parents have a responsibility when a child, especially when they get to the place where they actually think they know everything, I was there once. You know, I went to Bible school and came back and tried to tell my mom within 10 minutes everything I learned. But how about you as an adult? You've been there. You've done that. Your kids have never seen the T-shirt, but you actually own one. And they're making a decision. You think, mm, huh, that's not necessarily a great decision. Oh, Dad, I think it's right. No, I actually see something about that decision. Maybe you don't. Because I was young once, and I made that decision. And I can tell you that's one of the ones that I actually regret. Well, I think it's right. So what are you trying to do? You're trying to give them foreknowledge because you've already been there that that's not a good road. There's another fork in the road. That would be a better road. And it's real difficult sometimes for young people. Get, they get their mindset on things. And we older adults, we do as well, get our mindset. It's hard sometimes to pull yourself back because you've already set your mind there. You're already thinking about it. And now you've got to cancel that flight and come on over here. And sometimes they don't. You just got to let them go down that road and find it out for themselves. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Wow. But if you could remove those obstacles and alter their life, would you not do it? Oh my goodness, we're talking about our Heavenly Father, and He seems to actually see things, the end from the beginning, and He knows things that are not even yet done. Don't you think He has the ability to tweak some things in your future before you get there to make sure that when you do get there, now He can't make you do anything, but in His providence and in His predestination, He surely can make a, an amazing path if you'll just get on it. And the interesting thing about God is, is God will send all kinds of things in your way to kind of help influence in you to get in that path. Amen. Amen. 
And that's the awesome thing about it. Right over here in Hebrews chapter 11, uh, 13, verse 8, uh, some of you know this, so I'll just start it while maybe some of, are turning to it, but Jesus Christ is the same, what? Yesterday, yesterday today, and what? Forever. Doesn't yesterday, today, and forever encompass all time as we know? Past, present, and what? Future. If Jesus is the same in the past, in the present, and in the future, that also is very comforting, especially when I'm thinking about my future. Because what that says is, I can look at patterns of my past and realize that God is actually working with me in the same today, and he won't change for the future. So Paul made a comment, I was delivered, I am, am delivered, and I will continue to be delivered. Why? God doesn't change. He is the Lord God. He changes not. Revelation chapter 1 verse 8. You know this as well. It says, I am the beginning, or I am the alpha, and I am the omega. The beginning and the end, saith the Lord, who is, who was, and who is to come, the Almighty. He said it right there. Who is, who was, that means present, past, who is to come, future. He is the beginning and he is the end. What are we beginning to see here? I think things are kind of coming together. We're seeing that God has such an amazing viewpoint from where he's at. We were just up in um, Buena Vista, Colorado. It was about 9,500 feet up. And uh, some of the members at that prayer conference the next day, of course, I had to fly here, so I couldn't do it. But the next day, they went um, and climbed a 14er. Well, you 14ers, I've learned. It means just a, one of the mountains that's 14,000 plus feet. Well, when you get up on top, you have quite a view. Amen? You've got a view of things that an individual that's down at sea level doesn't have. And from your viewpoint, you can see some things about life that may be incredible. You can see some things about life that may not be incredible. You definitely have a viewpoint that can alter your thought about your future. One way or another. How about God? Seems like we're connected to somebody that's really pretty amazing. Over there in the 11th verse of the same first chapter, Jesus went on to say, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. So if you put all that together, he's the Alpha, he's the Omega, he's the first, he's the last. He is the one who was, the one who is, the one who is to come. Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is the one who has predestined your life because he sees everything. And at the same time, he is the one who what? He sees things from the beginning to the end, from the end to the beginning. And thank God he is the one who actually sees things that are not yet done. Mm. And I'm connected to this guy. I think I'm starting to like this. I don't know about you. And I can see within Ezekiel, one of the prophets, if you'll turn over to Ezekiel chapter 1, verse 16, I can see within him and his vision something that seems to put all of this in a nice little summary package, and it helps me to be able to appreciate my Father God that much more. You say, why are you preaching this today? Well, amen. Is he, and do we know that he's always working? Yes, he is. But the fact that he's always working means that we can actually work with him too. Do you know Jesus commented about the man that he raised up at the pool of Bethesda and the disciples came and said, what in the world are you doing doing this on the Sabbath? It's against the law. And Jesus' response was in one translation, my father is always working and I too am always working. 
Why do you think we saw so many healings, miracles, and signs and wonders in Jesus' ministry? Because the Father was always working? That's 50% of it. What's the other 50%? Because he was always working. When you begin to see what your Father's doing, it should encourage you to get in the ball game. Amen. Don't sit on the sidelines and just cheer for him to do it. Think about Moses being called at that burning bush. Wasn't he having a tremendous experience seeing a bush that burned but was not consumed? Out of that bush it said, take your shoes off because this is holy ground. <laughs> Moses is treading very lightly, isn't it? And then God goes into this dissertation about the children of Israel. I've seen the children of Israel. I've seen the bondage in Egypt. I've seen what they're eating. I've seen what they're being, you know, what they're having to do all day long, how the bondage of Egypt, you know, is no good, and it's taken my people down to a place of death. But Moses, I've come today to set them free. And Moses did a little happy dance. Glory to God. God's going to set them free. Moses got get back to where he was listen, listening to the bush, and the bush said, and I'm going to use you. And Moses started to do a happy dance, stopped right there, and said, you're going to use who? He said, I'm going to use you. And then Moses tried to backpedal, you know, just like Gideon tried to backpedal. When God said, I'm going to use you to set the Israelites free from the Midianites. And Gideon said, well, you know, there's 12 tribes in all of Israel, and I'm the least of the 12 tribes. And in the 12 tribes, there's a lot of families, and my family is the least of all the families. And in my families, there's a lot of brothers, and I'm the least of all the brothers. In other words, he was doing everything he could to tell God he chose the wrong person. God doesn't choose the wrong person. See, when you start to see things like God sees, if you see them through your flesh, you will retreat. But if you see them through your heart or through your spirit, you will run to the battle. What made David run to the battle? I'm telling you what, I'll never forget the VeggieTale version. <laughs> Amen. You know, David was the junior asparagus. Amen. And the giant was the giant pickle. Amen. And the pickle looked at the asparagus and said, what am I, a dog? Did you come at me with sticks? And David said, I am not a dog, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. And the giant laughed, and David got his sling ready, but he doesn't have any arms because he's an asparagus. And he had the sling around his head, and he used a sling like this. And he threw it, and that pebble went up like this and boinked Goliath right in the head, and he fell to the ground. But we know that story has a little more depth to it. David was the only one quoting or remembering the covenant. Why do we remember the covenant? Because when you put yourself in remembrance to the covenant, then the power in the covenant starts working for you. Forget the covenant, and you got it. The potential is there, but you bypass the miracle. Amen. Do you realize not everyone has a miracle? Not because everyone can't. But not everyone remembers. There's a whole squadron of soldiers there. And for 40 days, they listened to Goliath. And no one ever mentioned the covenant. So they had every opportunity to have every experience David did. David came with a pizza. Do you remember that from the VeggieTale version? He came hopping along to see how his brothers were doing. It's interesting how when you have kids, you know, you see all kinds of things, you know. We saw so many videos back then. Every once in a while, I went to pray in other tongues. It came out zippity-doo-dah. Amen. I, I don't think the Lord really minded, but it wasn't inspired. You know what I mean? 
And so anyhow, David came, you know, with food to find out what was going on. Think about this for a moment. And he walked by the place where Goliath was now down in the valley shouting obscenities toward God and God's people. And he listened for just a moment. And he heard what he said, and he saw how big he was. And the interesting thing is, he never said, oh my goodness, do you see how big that guy is? Holy smokes, I'm glad I'm not in the army. I'm going to go back to the sheep. David, you never heard him say anything like that. He never commented about the size of Goliath. Do you know why? Because while he was looking, he overheard. He eavesdropped and overheard somebody say, have you heard what's going to happen to the man that kills Goliath? And David leaned in a little bit, and he heard the man say, uh, no, what's going to happen? And the man said, well, from what I've heard, there's three things going to happen. Number one, he's going to be made rich. And David thought, hmm. The second thing he said, he's going to be tax-free. Hmm, dad would like that. And the third thing he heard is, uh, he's going to get to marry the king's daughter. And then David started thinking, how long have I been with the sheep? I've been with the sheep a long time. I really like that last part. <laughs> Amen. How do you know David was thinking like that? Because on purpose, he went to someone else and said, can you tell me what's going to happen? to?" Why did he ask? He wanted confirmation. Confirmation. Before he got involved in this thing, he wanted confirmation. Isn't that interesting that David actually wanted something that was tangible in this earth as a motivator for him to step into a fight? Why? Because positionally, it wasn't his fight. He wasn't in the army. But if I'm going to put myself in that position, I want to make sure, I want to know what she looks like. You know what I'm saying? I mean, in one sense, anything would do. He's been out with sheep, blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? And, you know... Did I do that well? <laughs> I've been practicing for 30 years. So I say, can you tell me what's going to happen to the man? And, and, and they say, yeah, we're going to get rich. I got that part. He's going to be tax, woo, tax-free. What's that last part look like? What's she look like? She got brown eyes. She got beautiful brown hair. Woo, I'm in. Who's this uncircumcised? Then all of a sudden he said, who's this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armors of the living God? And now David's in. How did David respond? Well, David responded as though God actually would do something for him, so he wasn't timid about anything. And in response, he said, well, the Lord delivered me from the hand of a bear. The Lord delivered me from the hand of a lion. I'm in Castle Rock, Colorado, and I'm playing golf, and all of a sudden, I'm driving the cart, and I come up on a mountain lion. He's walking down the cart path. And I had to think for a second, because I'm trying to, I'm trying, you know, the tail's doing as the tail does, you know, and it was a long one. I'm kind of thinking, oh, that's not a dog. Uh, that's not a fox. Mm, that's not a bobcat because that's a little tail like that. And what is that? And then all of a sudden, oh my gosh, that's a mountain lion. And I'm only from here to the, to the sound booth away from him. And I'm driving the cart right up on him. So I thought, well, maybe I'll stop. And I stopped and I just went like that and just whistled. And all of a sudden, he turned around and saw me. He took off into the bush. Well, you say, that was good. Well, it was the bush that I had to stand next to in order to hit the next shot. <laughs> <laughs> when I got home, I told my daughter, I said, Chloe, I saw a mountain lion. She said, well, there's a mountain lion alert. I said, well, I found him. <laughs> Amen. Amen. You got to be packing to play golf in Colorado. <laughs> Ezekiel chapter 1, look what it says in verse 16. The appearance of the wheels. He's having a vision. 
and he's seeing things that he doesn't necessarily know how to describe because think about it. When you see something up there, you're going to try to describe it with, with the things that you know down here so that it makes sense. If you described it just as it was, people couldn't relate to it if they didn't see it too. So he says, the appearance of the wheels and their working was like the color of beryl. And all four had the same appearance or same likeness. The appearance of their workings was, and this is the phrase right here, as it were. <coughs> Notice what it means. As it were means, well, the best that I can describe them would be like taking something here and showing you. So guess what he said? He says, as it were, a wheel in the middle of a wheel. So he's trying to describe what he's seen of God, and the best that he comes up with is a wheel with spokes, and in the middle is another wheel. The inner wheel is the hub. The spokes attach themselves to the outer wheel. And just like a bicycle tire, you need both. You need the security of the inner wheel, but you need the attachment to the outer wheel, and all that has to work together. And this is a great picture of God. God is the inner wheel. He is and does inhabit eternity. He sees every part of eternity at the same time. What do you mean? Well, the inner wheel is attached to spokes. Those spokes go out to an outer wheel, and each spoke represents a particular part of the whole. Each spoke doesn't touch the whole. It only touches touches a particular part. Now think about this in God. Jesus the same yesterday, today, and forever. Who was, who is, and who is to come. What does it mean? Well, we are on one of those spokes right now that's called what? Time. And that spoke is called present time. If we went back to an earlier spoke, it would be one next to us that would be called past. If we go to one that's a future spoke, it would be in our future or ahead of us. But isn't the hub attached to all of those spokes at the same time? So what that says is God sees the past just as well as he sees the future. We know the past, can recall the past, and we live in the present, but we don't know the future. We can get an idea of what we're getting ready to walk in by what we've seen from the past, but to actually see it as it is, we don't have that kind of insight. But God does. He's the one that's planned your future. Before the foundation of the world, he already had your future just as really set in motion as you're actually already experiencing your past or present. Is some of this making sense to you? Because I know I'm starting to stretch you right now. To which side are we going to? We're going to all of them. Because what I'm trying to show you is if you can see life like God sees life, you will start to respond in a different way. And your response is your faith. And your faith gives substance to the things that you desire to actually experience. Amen. And that's how God created the world. Think about it. God must have had a picture of what he wanted this world to look like before Jesus ever stepped out to say, light be. Where was the Holy Ghost? Well, he was on a picnic and they had to 
call him in. No, he wasn't. He was ahead of all of them, hovering over the face of the earth, doing what? To hover means to incubate. To incubate means to provide warmth because you're getting ready to hatch something. You wouldn't provide warmth to an egg if you didn't think there was a chick in it. Right? The reason why the hen is sitting on it is she knows something's going to come out called her kids. So she's sitting on that egg, warming it up so that there can be a manifestation of what she's actually produced in her heart. Same thing's true of God. There's a rhyme and a reason to the way he does it. So the Holy Ghost is the one that's always ahead of time. So you can't say, I believe I received my healing, but I'm waiting on the manifestation. You can't ever say that. Somebody who didn't have faith came up with that to make themselves feel better while someone else got a result and they didn't. Do I have to say that plainer? Really say it again? Well, what did I say the first time? No, I, I, I don't usually know. But in this case, I'll try. Let me think of what I'm saying. Um, something about the Holy Ghost hovering over the face of the waters. <laughs> you think I'm really kidding, but I'm not. My brain's not engaged. That's one of the benefits of having blonde hair. I've lived that, that way all my life, so when it came to spiritual things, it was really easy for me to follow the voice of the Lord because there wasn't much up there. So, it was what? Yeah, you can't say, I believe I received my healing, but I'm waiting on the manifestation because the manifestor is the Holy Ghost. And where was he in the original passage there in Genesis 1, 1 through 3? Was he late or was he early to the party? He was actually early to the party. God hadn't yet even said, light be. He was already hovering. So what does it say? But God, the Holy Ghost, knows with foreknowledge where he needs to be, where he needs to be warming things up, how he needs to bring influence to your life to actually have you experience the very thing that you're getting actually ready to, to walk into. So you can't say you're waiting on him because he's waiting on you. Amen. Praise the Lord. Did you get that? Or do I need to say that again? <laughs> Amen. Praise the Lord. This is a great passage of Scripture. What is it doing? It's helping uh, to convince us that you should actually get busy enjoying the benefit of what you believe God for even before you see it. That's why people say things like, well, do what you couldn't do. Well, why would I do something that I couldn't do? Why don't I wait till I do something that I can do? Well, because if you're believing God for something that it seems like right now you can't do, the Holy Ghost has been warming you up. He's in position to actually spark something inside your faith to cause the substance of your faith to cause you to do something you actually can't do. And the next thing you know, you can now do it for the rest of your life. I mean, why would Jesus ever look at a man with a paralyzed hand and say, stretch out your hand, unless the Holy Ghost already been there warming that up, providing for that man the ability to actually cause his hand to open up? Hmm. See, you know, as much as the mysterious world is mysterious, it's very, very calculated at the same time. I hope you're seeing that. So come on over to Isaiah chapter 57. We're going to go ahead and explain this, and the Baptists are going to get out in three minutes, so we'll let them get the tables first, and then you can get the second wave. Amen. We'll be done in just a minute. 
Isaiah chapter 57, verse 15, it says, For thus saith the high and lofty one who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy, I dwell in the, in the high and holy place with him who has a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble, to revive the hearts of the contrite ones. Notice that God inhabits eternity. This helps you to realize he literally inhabits every viewpoint from which you could ever see your life. And if that's the case, I want to see it like he sees it. Because if I can, I'm going to run to my giants. That's why David ran to the giant. He already had the victory because he knew the Lord delivered him from the hand of the lion. The Lord delivered him from the hand of the bear. And surely the Lord would deliver him from the giant. So he didn't tiptoe to the giant. He ran to the giant. Why? Because God, even as the VeggieTales says, Goliath was big, but God was bigger. Amen. Look over here at Isaiah 53. We're going to go real quick now, but you're going to see something, and I'm going to have to ask you a question. I'm going to see how studious you are. It says in verse 5, But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we what? are healed. Now, don't yell this out because people get it wrong everywhere I go and you don't want to be embarrassed, but think about it. What tense is are healed? See, you yelled it up. <laughs> but at least you were right. It's present tense. You say, what's wrong with that? Oh, I don't know. I mean... What's an Old Testament prophet in the past talking about a future tense event that hasn't happened yet, revealing it to the people as though it's already happened right here, right now, this day? Don't you see anything a little bit wrong with that? Hmm, you say, I never thought about that. Well, yeah, well, think about that for a moment. I'm a past tense prophet talking about a future tense event, and I'm revealing it to the people as though it happened right today. Hmm. That seems strange to me. Doesn't it seem strange to you? Unless you go to the idea of what's a prophet? What's another name for a prophet? It's called a seer. Well, what's the possibility that God transported the prophet through a portal over into the future and he stood there at the cross and watched the blood stream down Jesus' body, watched the stripes be applied to his back, and he said right there, Right then, I'm watching it. I saw him take our iniquity. I saw him take our sin. I saw him take our sickness. I saw him take our disease. And I saw him carry our pains. And with his stripes, you are healed. Because he was seeing it in the present. And when he came back to the past, he revealed it as though it just happened. What am I getting at? God is really crafty. I'm telling you what, he can work the aces up his sleeve any way that will benefit his children. Hallelujah, today and forevermore. He can tweak something in the future that'll cause you to see something by his eye that'll make you run to a battle today even though it looks like it hasn't happened and won't happen for years. And God will get you to step out in faith so that he can manifest what the Holy Ghost has been warming up for years. And here we are, most of us, sitting, waiting, and calling on the Lord. Kumbaya my Lord, kumbaya. Mm, mm, I feel that. Praise the Lord. Kumbaya, my Lord, kumbaya. I mean, we, we, we make it sound so beautiful that people say, 
Praise the Lord, brother. No, that means come by here, Lord, as though he's not. It means, you know, I'm standing in the need of prayer. Not my mother, not my brother, but it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Now, get out of the need of prayer and realize this new covenant has already been lavished upon you. That every A, B, C, X, Y, Z has been accomplished on your behalf and it's yours today. If it's mine, then use it. Well, don't I have to pray for it? Don't I have to ask God and entreat him for it? If he's already given it to you, you can go ahead and enjoy it right here, right now. Well, what would cause me to see that? If I can see things like God sees things that he's already got my future tweaked, then you might just bet the farms. Anybody know what betting the farm means? It means you put all your chips in on what? It's already been finished. Because if it's already been finished by a God that can see the end from the beginning, and he's got my best interest in mind, I bet tomorrow is pretty darn good, amen, looking for me. I bet I've got some miracles tomorrow, so I'm going to act like it's actually so today. Man, I'm telling you, everything in the Bible shows, even in, in, in uh, Hebrews chapter 11, by faith Noah, by faith Adam, and by faith Enoch, by faith Abraham, by faith Sarah, by faith David, by faith uh, uh, Moses. See, these guys stepped out to believe God was there, and then they found out that he was. We've even got a better covenant. We've got better promises. Come on, look real quickly for the next couple of minutes here, and then we'll be down. Matthew chapter 8, verse 16. Look at what this says. When evening came, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed, and he cast out the spirits with a word, healed all who were sick, that it might be fulfilled, which was actually spoken by prophet the Isaiah, saying himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. Now remember with Isaiah that he was a past-tense prophet, seeing a future-tense event, and revealed it as though it was present tense. And now we've got Jesus using what Isaiah actually experienced to manifest healings and deliverances before he actually went to the cross. It says right here, the reason why he had the authority to do so is because himself took our infirmity and bore our sickness. That's why he cast out devils with the word and healed all who were sick. But Jesus hadn't yet gone to the cross. But Isaiah saw him there. So Isaiah going to the cross, seeing Jesus on it, and Jesus using what Isaiah saw was just as good as Jesus being there, yet he hadn't yet got there. But he used it to manifest the power. I don't know if you remember this, but you know I always like to mess with people. And so we had a CES meeting at Ramah where all these pastors and ministers came. And I thought, I'm just going to mess with them today. So I took the, bio, the, the book of Leviticus. How many know that there's a lot of names in the book of Leviticus? Can you pronounce all those names? I didn't even try. I butchered them. Jedaniah, Obadiah, Rephaniah. And I mean, I'm, I'm butchering them. I mean, it is not good. But I said, you watch. While I read these names, the power of God will fall. And you ask me, how come I know that? Because Scripture is inspired by God. God moved on men of old. And if I read these names, you will be inspired to do something. And when you do, power will hit your body. And I sat there for 20 minutes and butchered the names. 
And all of a sudden, a man jumped up and the tumor disappeared. Another woman jumped up and her eye could see. Another one jumped up and her crippled leg began to walk. And people began to run all over the room by reading names. I sure wasn't inspiring faith with those names. They were bored to tears. But what did it do? It released God. Jesus used what Isaiah saw like a skillful servant, and he healed all and cast out demons because Isaiah had already seen something and wrote about it. Do you see the power of that? Himself took your infirmity and bore your sickness. I'm telling you, people are being healed in this room right now. I don't care what it is. If you can't read, praise the Lord. If you can't see something, God's doing something with your eyes. If you can't hear something, God's doing something in your ears. If you're feeling something in your heart and it's not working like it ought to, God's doing something in your heart. Let me get to the last verse here and you'll see it because this is so powerful. Turn to Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 3. I'll skip some things so we can end right here. I think you're getting the point. God sees the end from the beginning. He's doing something on your behalf in this service. He knew you were going to be here. The Holy Ghost started warming up your seat. Can the Holy Ghost warm up a seat? Well, you know, in prayer school, I would do certain things. People never knew I did it. I would get there an hour early and sit in certain seats and put my hands on the seats. And I can feel the power right now. As I'm talking about this, it's as though I'm doing it. I had that power in my hand. It got all hot, and I put my hands on the seats, and then I declared, these seats are hot seats. We'd start the service. We'd be singing. I'd be preaching, and within a few minutes, all of a sudden, those people sitting in those seats would jump up and down and say, my God, my God, and start praising the Lord. Somebody said, well, I don't know if I believe that. I was in a church, and I got through ministering. I'm sitting right there in the front. The pastor's talking all about, you know, finances and things, and we're going to have an offering for Brother Jim. And I'm sitting there. My hands are hot as, as fire. I can see in, in the middle of my hands, I can see red spots on my hand where it got so hot, my skin started to actually get red. And I said, Lord, did we not minister to everybody? Is there anything else that I need to do? And, and, I, and, and he didn't say, yes, you need to minister to somebody else. I said, man, I said, this is so hot. I started to rub my hands on my, on my jacket like this. And I said, Lord, uh, if there's no one else for me to minister this to, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put it in this seat right next to me. So I put my hand down on the cloth seat that was there, and I said, in the name of Jesus, I release. And I, I meant to say I release the present, but the moment I got half the word release out, all of a sudden that power came out of my hands. My hand was totally normal. It didn't burn anymore, and I knew that seat had something in it. Well, how do you know? I looked around the room, and I found a little boy that was about nine years of age, and I kept going like this. And he looked at me. He goes, me? And I said, yeah, you. Come here. And he came all the way across. And he looked at me and he said, what do you want? And I said, I'm all by myself. I said, would you sit with me for a little bit? Just keep me company? He said, okay. And I said, sit right. And I pointed to where my hand was. Here. And then I just crossed my leg and I went like this and said, thank you. And I looked at the pastor like this. And within just a couple seconds, that little boy goes, shh, shh, And I said, what are you doing? He goes, I don't know. I said, why are you doing it? He said, I'm really, really hot. I said, would you like to go back to your mom and dad? He goes, yeah. And he took off running. What happened? That power came out of that seat, jumped on him, made him all hot. Is that power real? 
Yeah. Glory. Look at this verse. Amen. And we'll minister to a few people, and then we'll turn you loose. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 3. And this is the Amplified. It says, For we who have believed, adhered to, and trusted in, and relied on God, do enter the rest. What was the rest? It was going into the promised land. In accordance with his declaration that those who did not believe should not enter the rest. As he swore my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. And this he said, although, notice this, although, although, they didn't enter in, although his works had been completed and prepared and waiting for all who would believe from the foundation of the world. Do, do you see all that coming together now, the whole sermon coming together? There were some that said, well, I don't know if I believe that. And they stayed on the other side of the Jordan and didn't enter into the promised land. Why? Because they didn't believe that God was already in the promised land. They, they believed in what they could see, which was doubt and unbelief. But there were a whole bunch of them that said, come on, we can take the land. Let's go. And the moment they stepped into it, they stepped into my in-laws are dairy farmers. They've got like three dairies, about 8,000 cows. And when you walk around the dairy, you'll be real careful what you step in. <laughs> Amen? And if you step in it, you know you're in it. <laughs> they stepped into the promised land, and they knew they were in something. Why? Because he had been there before the world was even put together. Oh, God didn't just come up with it, you know, flying by the seat of his pants. Amen. God had been there before the world ever was created and literally tweaked. That's kind of unfair, but he's our dad, you know? I mean, you say, that's, that's favor. That's exactly what it is. That's privilege. Yeah. We don't have any problem saying that sons of God are privileged and sons of God are favored. I mean, we're the ones that get the jobs. We're the ones that get the promotions. We're the ones, praise the Lord, that get the sales. We're the ones that get the good deals. Amen. We're the ones of whom somebody, you know, just says, well, I just have to come and bless you. Why? Because there's favor on us. Something was actually put into motion before the foundation of the world and because we actually believe in it and we're not afraid to step beyond what it looks like. We've learned how to actually enter into what doesn't look like it's there, but we know from confidence because of things we're preaching today that it was already put in motion before this world was ever put in together. And when they stepped into the promised land, they stepped into the glory, and they stepped into the victory. God put something called victory, and he put something called glory in your future. He didn't put something called hardship. In the middle of your hardship, you can step into the glory. Most people don't because they look at the hardship. If you'll go past the hardship to look at your God, you will step boldly into your future knowing that it can't be anything but good. Do you know what that means to the children of Israel when they came to Jericho? Now think about it. How did God deliver Jericho to them? The walls came crumbling down at what? At their shout. It looked foolish to walk around it for six days one time. And if you remember the VeggieTale version, they threw slushies on them. <laughs> Purple slushies. 
Do you remember that? And they mocked them. Six days they walked around it. On the seventh day they walked around it seven times. And on the seventh time they shouted. Now, what the Jericho people didn't realize when they built the wall, because the wall was massive, they had horse races on top of it, which means it had to be wide enough, because how would you like to be the guy in the end, you know what I mean? <laughs> hey man, you better drive. No, they had room up there. It was amazing. It was extremely fortified. But as strongly as they believed in themselves, they didn't realize what was happening when they built it. When they were building it and putting the mortar together, there were a bunch of angels. Amen. And they were singing. The angels were singing and they were shouting and they were praising and they were putting sound waves in the mortar. Amen. And it wasn't, she'll be coming around the mountain when she comes. <laughs> Amen. It was glory, hallelujah, and praise the Lord. Amen. And what God had them to do to knock those walls down is hit the pitch that was already in the mortar. When they began to shout, that mortar just literally crumbled like sand and the whole walls. <laughs> Could they have made that up? No, you can't make that stuff up. Was it a difficult victory? Well, actually, God, before the foundation of the world, already saw that victory. He already tweaked that victory. See, every victory that you think is so difficult, every sickness and disease that you feel like you'll have for the rest of your life, has already been tweaked by God, has already been visited by God before the foundation of the world, and God's already given you greater than victory. God doesn't know how to do anything like El Chipo. He is El Shaddai. Amen. The God of more than enough. He always does things beyond what you could imagine. In other words, he feeds a crowd you know, with a little boy's lunch. And then, is it amazing? They took up 12 baskets full left over. Where, where, where did God get all the leftover? That's the God of greater than you can imagine. And today, right in this room, there are bodies that are being healed by the same God that saw you before you were ever born and visited this room that didn't even have walls so that when you got here, the Holy Ghost would have something to work with to manifest in you God's goodness, God's grace, God's kindness, because he sees the past, the present, and the future as though it's just as real in every time frame. The day you come up to see like God sees will be the day you will run after your Goliath and challenge it with your faith. Thank you for taking the time to listen today. If you would like more information about Faith Family Church, including service times and location, visit faithfamilybillings.com.